0: Grab your Bibles, one and all. We're going to be heading towards Romans. Thank you, Andy. It's hard to do with one hand. (laughs) Appreciate it. Now, just in case you're wondering about the rain, uh, we have got some um, devices to capture the rain. (laughs) Because you may have noticed from where you're sitting, we have a little leak going on over here. And if you've got children, your little ones are also getting a shower now. So if you didn't get a chance to shower them this morning, we're taking care of that (laughs) for you. We have uh, children's workers with their bronze medallions, so it's all okay. No, there is a little bit of water falling in the other room as well, but uh, Neville and Judy and the team have sorted that out, so we will try and recycle that water, just so you know, and uh, put it back on the garden. (laughs) It's all good. How's uh, (laughs) How's the irony of it? Nikki and I put, put, well, we didn't, we got someone to do it for us, you can imagine that, but turf in the backyard 12 days ago. We haven't seen a drop of rain for that entire time, so we've got the water tank. We've purchased water to make sure that we could get the turf growing and all of that. And uh, now the tank is overflowing, so does anyone know what to do <laughs> when the tank is actually pouring water back out of the top? Because uh, we've got a problem. So just in case you uh, know what to do, please sing out because we put your togs on and come around to our place after church and uh, let us know how to do that. That would be great. Excellent work. All right, grab your Bibles. We're going to go to Romans, as I said, for learning a new normal number 19. Just before we do that, uh, I'm going to pray. That's always a good thing to do before we open the Word. Um, And then I'm going to give you a recap. (laughs) Now this sounds a bit strange as I say it. I'm going to recap 18 messages. Um, But I really felt it was important this week as I was preparing, so it won't be long. I'm not going to go into great detail but I'm going to very briefly recap the 18 messages to this point under the heading of learning a new normal so that you understand where we're up to and if you're joining us for the first time this morning for visiting great to have you with us and you'll be able to pick up therefore where we're up to but let's pray first heavenly father thank you thank you for your heart thank you for your love thank you for looking after us Lord Jesus thank you for loving us thank you for giving us an opportunity to love you thank you for blessing us and God in our own Human limited way, we often don't see your blessings or we're not as grateful as we should be. But God, as we walk through the wonderful times of life and the difficult seasons, God, keep our heart set on you so we can praise you in all seasons, so we can learn from all situations, and so we can be the type of people that you want us to be. God, thank you for the rain today. And we joke about it, we laugh about it, but thank you for rain that will fill up literally our our water tanks, our dams, our water supply, so that we can create the type of life that you wanted us to have so that we can not just water the plants and the trees important but so we can also feed people heavenly father and care for people with water so god thank you for the rain we genuinely appreciate it give us the wisdom to know how to deal with it how to store it how to capture it how to disperse it how to care for the environment that you've given us to look after thank you god for your attention to detail on every every front And God, as we open your word this morning in our journey through Romans, our our little wanderings called learning a new normal, God, we pray that our hearts will be opened, our minds will be attentive, and we can learn what you are looking for for us. The pathways, the behaviors, the types of character, thought, development that you are wanting to instill in us, part of your original plan for humankind. Thank you, God. Bless us as we seek your truth this morning and every morning. In your mighty and precious name we pray. Everybody set? Amen. Excellent. Well, Hayden, my PowerPoint champion friend, has uh, helped me out here. I'm just going to splash up one word at a time as we go. And if you haven't been here or you want to just do yourself a favor and remember what's been happening, you can write these down one at a time. Just so you know, I want you to have a recap. We started 18 weeks ago walking through the book of Romans written by Paul to the church in Rome because God challenged me and said, go and have a look at Romans and start preaching a message called Learning a New Normal based on the fact that we need to understand more and more every day, all of us, me included, exactly the way God wants us to live and the types of things he wants us to wrestle with, overcome, and be able to walk through. So as we've gone through week after week after week through Romans, these are just the headings. These may not be the titles of the messages. This was the guts of what... Was, can I say that? The guts. Sounds like Bruce McEvaney, special. It was the guts of, of what had happened in each of those messages. So week one was focused on change. We learned that in order to learn a new normal, we're going to have to be prepared to change because... Although we mentioned that normal had come to mean what everybody else is doing. That's the world's view of normal. We were learning that normal actually means what is natural, real, right, good, and noble. And that's what we need to discover, the real plan and pattern God has for our lives. And that requires of us the ability to examine ourselves and allow for change. Summary, current way of thinking, I don't need to change, I'm fine the way I am. New normal way of thinking, God, what would you like to change in me? Week number two, faith. We talked about building strong, consistent, reportable faith into our lives through a combination of God's power and our prayer life, participation and attitude. Current way of thinking, I can do everything I need to do on my own. New normal way of thinking, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Week number three was focused on righteousness. We started to look at understanding that choosing a relationship with God means that you and I will be filled with his righteousness. And that will cause us to live every day by faith, which is an attitude of consistency made in your head and your heart, where you walk through every moment of every day, not bound by man-focused religion, but instead free in Jesus Christ. Current thinking says, my human thinking and abilities will save me in the end. New normal way of thinking says, only God and his expressed love can actually save us. Week number four, personal responsibility. We learned that we understood that God will and does judge us and test us all. He has no favorites. And we must take personal responsibility for all of our thoughts, words, and actions. Current thinking in the world today says, someone else must be to blame. I've got rights, you know. New normal thinking says, I will take responsibility for my own thoughts, words, and actions at all times. Number five, week number five, we looked at consequences. We noticed the relationship between action and reaction, between choice and direction, noticing that consequences are an actual, true and real result of the way I live. What happens inside my life has a dramatic effect on what happens outside my life. So if I'm not happy where I'm going, then am I setting about making the right choices so that that will improve? Current thinking says, who cares what happens tomorrow? Live for today. New normal says, everything I do, think and say today will have an effect on my tomorrow. Week number six, representing God. We started to appreciate that despite all of our human mistakes, shortfalls and inconsistencies, God actually asks you and I to represent him here on earth. It's part of his plan for you and I and for all Christians worldwide. He trusts us with his very words, and this opportunity is the biggest advantage and the best value you and I will ever, ever receive in life. Current thinking says, nobody really notices or cares how I behave. New normal says, people will see God through me, so I choose to try to shine in all situations. Week number seven, we looked at the topic of balance, realizing that Christianity is about upholding the law and living by faith. It's not either or, it's not one or the other. It's a holistic approach to God and our relationship with him. It's about balance. Current thinking says, ah, just do whatever seems right and it'll work out in the end. New normal says, I will attempt to maintain a healthy and balanced body, soul and spirit at all times. Week number eight, we looked at trust. Coming to terms with the fact that not only do we need to accept the trust that God places in us, but we actually have to trust him with absolutely every part of our lives, which in turn releases his righteousness and blessing back into our lives. Current thinking says, trust no one and nothing other than yourself. New normal thinking says, trust in the Lord your God and lean not on your own understanding. Week number nine, we looked at promises, believing that if we want to truly and completely connect with God, we must believe his promises because unlike us, he keeps his promises and the main promise that he keeps is his love and his presence expressed in our lives. Current thinking, everybody will break their promises. New normal thinking, God never breaks his promises, so believe in him and believe him. Week number 10, we looked at God's power, becoming aware of the fact that despite difficult circumstances that we will all experience in life, the only thing worth clinging to is God, because he alone has the power to fulfill his promises and add strength to our lives. Current thinking in the world today, and we see it every moment of every day, says money, material possessions, position and title will give you power and they're the things you should chase. New normal thinking says nothing other than the love of God is worth grabbing for and holding on to. Week number 11, we looked at the subject of acceptance, acknowledging that accepting the truth about God, the truth about others, and the truth about yourself, letting go of the fight is one of the greatest keys to a new normal way of life. Current thinking says, it just can't be that simple. There has to be a catch. New normal thinking says, no, there's no catch, and it is that simple. God loves you. Week number 12, we looked at timing. Learning to allow God to be in charge of the timing of our lives. Handing over our desire to control everything ourselves. Current thinking says, I'm in charge of every aspect of my life, including what happens and when, so get out of my way. Do you like that? Get out of my way. Just thought I'd throw that in. New Normal says, God loves me so much and he wants the best possible result in every situation for my life, so I need to trust him with all the timing issues. Week 13, reconciliation, a big word, but we learnt that real reconciliation is about returning to and being reconciled to God himself, which in turn helps us to reconcile and build relationships with other people. Current thinking says, I hold the key to my own wholeness. New Normal says, the answers I need, the solutions I'm looking for, the clarity I desire, the understanding I'm searching for, and the security I crave. In fact, the only place free from conflict and full of peace is found in God. Week 14, we're nearly there. Focus. Thank you. We said that bringing our focus away from the worldly distractions which are on offer and putting our focus back on the gift of God, the presence of God is the only way home. Current thinking says, I will chase down and grab at anything which I believe will benefit me. New normal says, I will relax and remain focused on God, allowing Him to highlight that which is important. New life was week 15, remembering that despite what the world says, death is not the end, but is the beginning, and that in our lives, we need to let the past die so that new life in Christ can begin. Current thinking says, hold on to everything you can just in case you ever need it. New normal says, let go and allow the past to die to encourage fresh new life and growth and sustainable development in every part of your life. Week 16, obedience was the subject. We reminded ourselves that true godly obedience is acknowledging how careful we need to be with our choices and what we need to obey, in the knowledge that we will become a slave to that which we choose to follow and serve. Current thinking says, I'll place my allegiances wherever I want to, thank you very much. New normal says, I will prayerfully and carefully choose who and what I listen to, follow and obey. Week 17 was about release. We looked at understanding the fact that because this new life in Christ is all about a freedom from the hold of the old, then we must change our way of thinking, and living, in order to let go and break the cycle of sin that otherwise controls our lives, which then releases us from the chains that hold us back and allow us to experience full and real salvation, restoration to the original plan, intended condition of wholeness, health, and connection to God. Current thinking says, there's nothing wrong with the way I'm living. New normal says, my desire for a new day in my life is so strong that I am prepared to alter my thinking and my actions and allow God to rebuild me. And last week, week 18, we looked at commitment, which is really what was underneath the message last week was the subject of commitment, accepting that it is only the love and authority of Christ in my life which actually allows me to beat my personal struggle with sin. And therefore, choosing to access his love and authority by living a life of total commitment to him is what helps me beat the struggle of sin. Current thinking says, I alone am strong enough to defeat anything and everything that comes my way. New normal says, I accept that whilst I have the desire to do what is right, I simply cannot carry it out on my own, so I team up with God to get the job done. I know that was a little long, somewhat of a lengthy synopsis, but I wanted to really remind us of where we've been over the last 18 weeks, so you start to get that in your head, and we see Eighteen messages that have come all from simply seven chapters of one book in the Bible. Can you start to see, because I'm starting to see it more and more every day, just how much God loves you and just how much he wants to get his message of love across to you. This is just seven small chapters of one book in the Bible written by Paul to the church at Rome at that time, but used by us today to understand that the Word of God is living, two-edged, breathing, and changes your life moment by moment. Eighteen messages to remind us of how good and strong and wonderful God is already, just by opening a few pages. Today, we move on, week number 19, and, and I want to continue to build on everything that we've been learning so far. Thank you, Hayden. That's great, my friend. We move into week 19. We open up our Bibles to Romans 8 from verse 1. We're just reading 11 verses today, Romans 8, 1 to 11, and then we'll see where we go from there. Romans 8, 1 to 11 says this, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the sinful nature God did, by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death. But the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law and nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, Your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Let me reread just a couple of bits that I highlighted in my scripture, my, my Bible, that really jumped out at me this week as I was praying through this and reading over it in preparation for today. Verse 2 says, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free. Verse 4 talks about those who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. Verse 5 goes on and says, those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The minds controlled by the Spirit of life and peace. Not controlled by the sinful nature, says verse 9, but by the Spirit. If God lives in you, His Spirit is talking to you. And your Spirit is alive, says verse 10. I wrote this down. Our lives should never be lived in reaction to a set of observed circumstances. But instead, our lives should be lived in response to revelation. God's Spirit relating to to my spirit. I want to talk this morning about revelation. Our lives should not be lived in reaction to a set of observed circumstances, the stuff that happens around us. But instead, our lives should be lived in response to revelation, God's spirit relating to my spirit. As I read through these first 11 verses of Romans chapter 8 with Paul imploring people to understand the Spirit of God and not be attracted to their human spirit and not fall to the lowest common denominator all the time. But lift up your eyes is basically what he's saying and be attracted to the Spirit of God. Allow the Spirit of God to talk to your spirit. Allow your insides to be open and received from God. He's talking about revelation. He's talking about God's spirit relating to your spirit and my spirit and us making decisions and life patterns and choices based not on what we see but on what is revealed to us by God. Living by revelation. Revelation. Learning a new normal, number 19, revelation. These days we tend to use the word revelation, I believe, to cover a variety of occasions and uses and anything where a new thing is discovered or learned, anything where something is taught or handed on or passed on, anything where I pick up something I didn't know before, I call it a revelation. Oh, I had a revelation. I got something new out of that. But if you actually look in the dictionary, just the dictionary, not the God dictionary, not the Jesus Christ-inspired Holy Scripture, not anything else. Just for a second, just have a look in the normal dictionary. I went to Merriam Webster online and had a look at the dictionary, and this is what the normal ungodly dictionary says. Revelation, the act of revealing or communicating divine truth, something that is revealed by God to humans. That's what the dictionary actually says. God, Talking to people. And yet, I think sometimes we walk around with a bit of a fog in our head and we use revelation as a general term. Oh, I had a revelation about how to plant grass. I had a revelation about. Great, that's fantastic, but have you had a revelation? Is God talking? Even the ungodly world knows that revelation is actually about God revealing truth to you and I, about God's Spirit communicating with your spirit and my spirit, about God tapping us on the shoulder, interrupting our lives and saying, I've got something I want to say. Are you listening? Is your heart open? Can I reveal myself to you? That's what revelation really is. And I'm not sure that any of us, me included, understand enough the strength and vitality of the concept of revelation. We don't normally give God enough time to talk to us. We're too busy. Anybody had a busy week? Go on, be honest, I have. (laughs) We're too busy. We spend way too much time in busyness and not enough time waiting for revelation, just allowing God to speak and reveal himself to us. That's revelation. That'll change our lives. This fast and furious pace that we live in, the fact that we rarely slow down, I'm slapping myself as I'm speaking to you. If we could grasp that and allow God to actually speak to us and hear it and hear what he has to say, allow him to reveal himself to us. Imagine how different your life would be. How many people would like a little bit more revelation in their lives? How many people would like to think about a time and a place where God clearly deposits into your head, your heart, your spirit, Exactly what he wants you to do. I reckon that would be unbelievable. And we need to be there. I'm sure as Christians, me included and most of us, have had revelations from God. Individual moments where we felt God say something, not necessarily audibly, but we felt a shift of understanding. We felt something grow in us. A confirmation from a friend or a family member or a passerby. Something in scripture that leapt out and witness to us that really made sense something being revealed excellent how about if it was happening every day how about if every decision you had to make you could just stop for a minute and receive a revelation from God how about if every decision that we're making in life right now as you face a decision to do with what, what work situation you have, what family situation you need to solve, a financial situation, a, a house situation, a career change, a, a something that you're walking through right now, struggling with and going, I'm not quite sure, there's no sin necessarily involved, there's nothing bad happening here, but I'm just not quite clear on what to do. I just don't know what God is saying. Imagine if we were able to just stop And allow God to deliver a revelation of his heart, his spirit, his truth, his pathway. Well, the Bible says it's entirely possible. The Bible says it's entirely possible to live that way. And I'm not talking about fruit loop living, please hear me. I'm not talking about never doing anything and sitting in the corner and saying that God is going to do it all for me. I'm talking about working with God, partnering with God, understanding what God has called you to do, equipped you to do, made you to do, created you to do, and asked you to do. When, where, and how? Having a revelation of divine truth, God speaking to mankind, that can and should be happening regularly to us all. So this message today is actually exactly that. It's an encouragement to return to a life of living by revelation, actually taking time to hear from God, allowing him the opportunity to communicate truth to us. To demonstrate this, I want to just read through a story in Daniel, Daniel chapter 2, which surprisingly enough is about a character called Daniel. Daniel chapter 2 in the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. It's hard to find. <laughs> so go to sort of Matthew and then flick back a couple of books past all the little ones, you know, the Hoseas, the Joels, the Habakkuk, the, all those ones, and you'll find Daniel about there. I'll give you a little moment to think music. Like peaches and cream, a coach and a team. A guy and a girl. Got it? Talk to me. Excellent. Daniel 2. This is an excellent story as an example for exactly what we're talking about, the revelation of God in our lives. Daniel was in the court of the king but at a distance at this stage as we pick up the story in chapter 2. The king had come in just by way of example and and background information in in chapter 1. The king had actually come in and taken over. This is King Nebuchadnezzar. He had uh, fought for and won the city and defeated the the rest of them. And he was now in charge and he'd said to his right-hand man, I want all the best young men assembled. So pick all the tall, strong, good-looking, clever, wise, beautiful ones, bring them all to me. I want them to be taught and educated and equipped in the ways of God and the world. He was not a godly man, but he wanted them equipped and and learning in in the ways of the world and the gods at that time. Uh, Daniel, who was a godly man, agreed to be part of this process, but did not agree to participate in anything ungodly. He wouldn't even eat the food that was put in front of him because he said, my God will we'll supply, you know, you watch and see. So he had actually spent the chapter 1 there, which goes over a three-year period, uh, becoming part of the king's service. But he was still in the outer court, considered as one of the wise men, but kept at a distance because the king, an ungodly king, was more interested in his magicians and his sorcerers than he was in anyone who had anything to do with God. So Daniel was kept at a distance. This is where we pick it up in Daniel chapter 2. The king, Nebuchadnezzar, is having some dreams. In the second year of his reign, King Nebuchadnezzar had some dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers and the astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. And when they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I've had a dream that troubles me and I want to know what it means. The king couldn't sleep. The king was troubled. He was unsure of what was happening in his life. He didn't know what to do. Sound familiar? Anyone here ever been in a similar situation? Ever had a time or a season where he just didn't quite know what to do? But somehow, we nearly, to a person, seem to begin this search by starting to look in the wrong direction looking in all the wrong places, when all we really need is a revelation from God. But the king starts looking in the wrong places. He calls the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the astrologers. Moving on in verse 4, the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic. They were clever, they were learned, they had a few languages. They should have done it in French, would have been impressive. King, live forever. They were sucking up to him. Tell your servants the dream, and we will interpret it the king replied to the astrologers, well, this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was before you interpret it, I'll have you cut up into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. He was a friendly family kind of guy. If you tell me the dream and then explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream first and then interpret it once more they replied, oh, um, let the king tell us the dream and we'll interpret it. The king said, well, I'm certain you're trying to gain time here. You're stalling because you realize that this is not what I have already decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there is just one penalty for you, just a small one. You have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. You're trying to fool me here. So then tell me the dream, like I asked and I will know that you're then able to interpret it for me. The astrologers answered the king. They're probably getting a little nervous at this stage. There is not a man on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among men the sorcerers and the magicians were almost right weren't they almost they knew that they as humans did not have the answers to the king's questions they knew that as humans there is no way that they would know what was going on inside another human's head they cannot answer his question and they're getting a little nervous they did know that the answer must rest with a higher power they did realize that the answer must come from somewhere else, not human knowledge. They were just a little bit confused about where that higher power is. They didn't know God. Does this also sound familiar? Anyone noticed in our world that when we're faced with a difficulty, when we have a problem, we seem to know that we need an answer. But as a world, we do not know where to look. We do not know where to look. We look in all the wrong places, trying to find the right answers. Let's read on. This made the king angry, in fact, furious. So he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. That's a bit of an overreaction. He's got a couple of magicians and enchanters and sorcerers who couldn't answer him. So now he wants to kill all the wise men. That would include Daniel, the guys that were the outer circle of wisdom in his court. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death, and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. He asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. At this Daniel went to the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. And then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to all his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And he urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men in Babylon. Daniel knew, Daniel knew that God was going to reveal truth. Daniel knew that God was going to speak to him about the king's situation. He had the faith to understand how big and strong and awesome God is. Faith was not in question. But he didn't just rest on faith and sit in the corner and wait. He added to faith as Scripture continues to remind us right the way through the New Testament as well. Add to your faith action get active with God, partner with God, and do something in his name. He knew God would come through. He had the faith to know that his God would reveal truth, but he added to his faith action. Action. He did not sit on his hands. He used his God-given wisdom to start preparing for the situation. The Bible records that he went straight to the right-hand man of the king, Ariok, the commander of the king's guard, the one in charge of killing everybody. He went straight to him and spoke with two things, wisdom and tact. He used God-given wisdom and God-given tact to ask the right question at the right time, to get in the right place. Then he went to see the king himself. He took himself into the court of the king and said, King, I know my God can answer your question, and I'll be back with the answer. Can I have a little bit more time? He planned and prepared ahead. He knew exactly what he was doing. And then he went straight back to his house, spoke to his friends and his family and says, guys, pray. Start praying. God is big. God is good. God has this under control. We have the faith to believe that he will come through. But we've got to add to that our wisdom, our tact, our understanding, our partnership with Christ. And most importantly, we've got to cover this with prayer. Pray with me, says Daniel. So they start praying. Does this sound familiar too? I'm hoping it does. Because how many of us have noticed in life that God expects us to get on with things? Not just to sit around and wait for Him to do something, but to partner with Him, to hold His hand, to be encouraged and inspired by God and His presence, and do the things that He's asked us to do. Use the gifts that He's already put in your body, in your mind, at, the, at your fingertips, in your voice. Use what God has put in your DNA. Let's read on. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. There you go, straight away. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and and deposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. Then Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon. And he said to him, do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Instead, take me to the king, and I will interpret his dream for you. Cool. God did bring revelation to Daniel, exactly as Daniel had faithfully expected he would. And please note this, please if you write nothing else down or you file nothing else away in your head today, get this. What was the first thing Daniel did after God revealed truth to him? The very first thing Daniel did was to praise and thank God. The very first thing Daniel did after he has received revelation, divine truth has been communicated to him, God has spoken into his life, the very first thing he did was to stop and say thank you God. Thank you God. He didn't do what many of us and many Christians would do. He didn't rush off and start a new movement based on his latest revelation. He didn't launch a new book or a CD series. He didn't even go straight to the local media and say look what the Lord showed me. He just went straight back to God and said thank you. Thank you, God. Praise your name. If that doesn't sound familiar, it should. All of us should ensure that when God speaks, our first reaction is to say thank you. Our first reaction is to praise him as a first-up response, not a disingenuous afterthought, but a first-up response to God. Let's keep reading. Ariok, king's commander, man in charge of killing, took Daniel to the king at once and said, I've found a man, king, among the exiles from Judah who believes he can tell you, king, what the dream means. So the king asked Daniel, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Same question. I want you to tell me about my dream before you bother interpreting it. Daniel said, listen to this, brilliant. Daniel said, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he is asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. And your dream and the visions that passed through your mind as you lay on your bed are these. As you were lying there, O King, your mind turned to things to come. And the revealer of mysteries showed you what is going to happen. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because I have greater wisdom than any other living men, but simply so that you, O King, may know the interpretation and that you may understand what went through your mind awesome. This is incredible. This is wonderful. Have a look at the humility and the godliness shown by Daniel here. He goes to the king. He's standing at the feet of the king. And he could take all the credit if he really wanted to. He could say, oh yes, I had a bit of a think and this is what's in your head. He could have claimed riches and and, and women and, and futures and and buildings, and stuff that kings hand out. I was trying to make a list of things that kings would dispense. Lots of stuff. But he didn't. He simply stood at the feet of the king and said, king, you need to understand that no human being alive could answer the question you're asking. But there is a God, there is a God who can tell you everything. He goes on to say, I don't have any greater wisdom than any other person. The only reason God has revealed this to me is so that I can help you. Amazing revelation and amazing treatment of the revelation. All of us should also live like this, hearing from God regularly and applying the revelation to life, helping others to find Christ and connect to their future and not claiming anything for ourselves, simply pointing to God the whole time. Pointing to Christ. Let's read on. You looked, O king... And there before you stood a large statue, an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. He goes on and on, and I won't read all of this because we don't need to understand all of this, but there was a head, there was a statue, there was, and he gives all the descriptions of it. And this was the dream that we interpret for you, O King, in verse 36. And you are the king, and you've got stuff to do. And he goes through, 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 through verse 39. And there'll be this kingdom and this kingdom, and you'll need to take over this and crush this and put it in the oven for half an hour at 360. And he goes through everything that the king will need to do. And he gets right up until verse 44. He says, in the time of that, then the God of heaven will set up this kingdom and then that will be fixed and that will be done, etc., etc., down to verse 46, just before that. The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. This dream is true and the interpretation is trustworthy. In verse 46, then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel, paid him honor and ordered that an offering, and incense, be presented to him. And the king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery to me. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts upon him, and he made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all the wise men. And moreover, at Daniel's request, good on you, Daniel, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon while Daniel himself remained in the royal court. The results of receiving revelation, handling it properly, passing it through and pointing to Christ, the results of that, the king sees that God is real. The king gives Daniel a new life, job and career. Daniel's able to then bring others in, And give them new hope, new career, new destiny as well. Blessed to be a blessing. And if that doesn't sound familiar, then it certainly should. Because we should be living like this. Seeing great and wonderful fruit from the things that God reveals to us and asks us to deal with. So three very quick things to remember about Revelation. We'll wrap it up with these three things. Because I just want us today to be able to walk away going, I need to live by revelation, not by circumstance. I need God to speak life to my spirit. I need God to direct my pathways. And I give him the opportunity to do so. Three things, I'll start with F, just write them down. Revelation should be part of our focus because revelation comes only from God. And if God is your focus then revelation will be part of that. Here's a scripture for that. Scribble this down. Matthew 16. I'll just read it quickly, but you can just scribble it down. Matthew 16, 13 to 17. When Jesus came to the region of Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, others Jeremiah. But who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus replied to Peter in verse 17. Blessed are you, Simon, For this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. You can get all sorts of learning and all sorts of information and all sorts of detail from so many other avenues in life. But what is revealed to us by God is real revelation. Go for the real revelation. Allow God to be your focus, and when you're focused on God, allow revelation to flow through second thing revelation must be about part of our focus it must also be part of our foundation scripture for that in Deuteronomy wonderful old book of the old testament Deuteronomy 29:29 29, 29. the secret things belong to the lord our god but the things revealed belong to us and our children so that we may follow all the words of his law Revelation must be part of our foundation because revelation is there to allow us to follow and fulfill God's laws, patterns and plans. Not only is it part of our focus so that we know it comes from God, it's got to be part of our foundation because it's about helping us to build security on the patterns and plans that God has laid for all mankind. Not just for you and I, for all mankind. Third thing, last thing. Part of our focus, part of our foundation must also, revelation must be part of our future. Over in Acts chapter 2, I'll give you a quick verse for that. Acts two twenty-five to 28. This is Peter preaching at the beginning of the, the establishment of the modern church at Pentecost. And in the middle of his preaching, he quotes David from Psalms and, and older times. And he says, talking about Christ, he says, David said this about God, Christ. Verse 25 of Acts chapter 2. I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will live in hope because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. And you fill me with joy in your presence. Revelation must be part of our focus. It must be part of our foundation. And Revelation must also be part of our future because God wants us to know our destiny. He wants us to know the pathway of life. Revelation comes so that God can speak to us and help us to understand what he wants for us and what he wants from us. So revelation must be a massive part of our lives. It's about God speaking to you and me. It's about God's spirit connecting with my spirit. It's about God communicating divine truth through the layers of everything else that's going on in our lives and cutting through and speaking directly to my spirit, revealing truth to me. This should be of massive importance to us every day. It should be part of our focus, it should be part of our foundation and it definitely should be part of our future, an understanding of revelation. If you or I are not hearing from God consistently and clearly, then we need to be praying and preparing to increase the amount of revelation in our lives. Don't be looking elsewhere, just look straight to God. We need to give God this opportunity to communicate truth to us. Does that make sense this morning? You all good? Excellent. I want to pray for you. And maybe if we just have the musos, we won't necessarily sing, I'm not sure yet, but we'll just we'll just wrap things up because actually my watch I think is wrong. I'm hoping that's wrong. What is the time? Ah, oh, my watch says twenty-two minutes past twelve. Somebody's playing tricks on me. Somebody set my watch twenty five minutes early, looking for a short sermon. <laughs> Where are the kids? What's going on there? That says 25 past 12. Oh, it doesn't matter. So we've got plenty more time. <laughs> I just really want to want to pray and, and, and sink that in and, and allow us to receive that. Did you, did you get that this morning? Now, I really believe that God wants us to understand that not just at this season. I mean, all of these things are seasonal because we're learning them at the right season. But I really think God wants us to get this in our hearts and understand this is something we should have as part of our daily life every day to understand the revelation of God. doesn't need to be overly confusing. doesn't need to be difficult. doesn't don't need to stress out over it. Just rest and relax and let God speak. Take away the distractions. Focus on God. Let Him speak. And He will reveal to you, spirit to spirit, truth to teach us, guide us, shape us, mold us, and take us where we're meant to be. Make sense? Excellent. Stand to your feet. I want to pray for you. And we'll just seal this and if you need some prayer, if you want someone to pray with you, come on down, not a problem, we're happy to pray for you. If you are here this morning and you've never even met God and you, you're just not quite sure even what we were talking about, then I'd love to talk to you as well and have a pray with you, not a problem. If you're just feeling that uh, you're doing okay with God, you don't have any major blockages, but you haven't had a, a decent revelation from God for quite a while, then come down here and we'll just pray for you. Just let it go because we, it's not meant to be hard i honestly believe as as the more we look through scripture the more we study this there's nothing in there that says and i the lord your god will hide the truth from you and i the lord your god will make it hard for you it doesn't say that he says i love you and i'm calling you and i want to take burden away from you so if you're struggling in this area you don't feel like you're hearing clearly or seeing what god has in store just come and have a quick pray doesn't have to be with me there's all sorts of people that could pray with you just want you to be free in god okay all good let's pray heavenly father you're an awesome god we love you we love you not just this morning but every moment of every day and we thank you god that you do reveal truth we thank you god that you are a god not only a big god that creates and and is sovereign and is lord over all but you're a god that actually cares about us as individuals and loves us and befriends us as we were singing earlier today and wants to reveal truth, wants to speak to us, to communicate to us. So thank you, God. We want to be open to hear from you, to communicate backwards and forwards with you, to hear exactly what you want us to do, when, where, and how. So God, we pray right now, from our end, we will take action. We won't just sit in a corner and wait, but we will be encouraged by what we saw in the life of Daniel to know that you're a God of faith, to know that you're faithful and you will come through and to add to that faith an action, an ability to say, right, let's pray. Right, let's use wisdom. Right, let's plan. Right, let's get on board with what God's doing. Thank you, God. Bless us and strengthen us. Teach us and encourage us. Mold us and shape us. Take out the rubbish, the dross that needs to be burned away. Clear us up and clean us up. Have us ready for your service. Thank you, God. Mighty God, my prayer right now for every person here, Lord, is that we would be vessels that are pure and open and ready to receive truth. God, if there's people here this morning that have struggled to hear clearly from you, struggled with revelation with your spirit communicating to their spirit then i pray that the channels of communication would be open heavenly father that any blockages would be cleared that any rubbish would be thrown far as the east is from the west cleared right out of there and that there would be openness to be able to hear from you god thank you not just in this place, but as we walk away from here, out to our our, our workplaces, our our classrooms, our neighbourhoods, our family homes, wherever we go today and through this week. Let it be a week of revelation, God. Let it be a week where you talk and we hear and we take action, we respond to revelation. Thank you, God. Bless us this morning. Speak to us this morning. Cleanse us and heal us this morning. Reveal yourself to us this morning. Praise your name, mighty God. Thank you, Lord. Praise your name. Everybody said, Amen. The guys are going to play. You can sing if you like. You can come out for prayer. Or oh, you can do a little folk dance in the chairs. Yeah, you can do whatever you like as long as you're doing it for God. Give somebody a high five. Give them a. I nearly said give them a wedgie. That probably, probably wasn't quite appropriate. Give them a firm handshake. Say good morning.